0: Good evening, as Gareth mentioned, my name is Ian, I'm a colleague of Gareth. I'm one of the ministers at the Church, uh, Christchurch Harpenden, uh, and uh, can I add my welcome to Gareth's welcome, it is a great privilege to uh, be with you this evening, and speaking uh, on, or attempting to answer uh, this question, why doesn't God just let us do what we want? Why doesn't God just let us do what we want? And that is a good question. Isn't it? It's a good question because I think what lies behind it is a desire for freedom. A desire for liberty. And we all want to be free, don't we? We all want that. We feel deep within us the desire to be the ones who are in control of our lives. Who get to say what we do and do not do. And because of that, we fear, don't we, oppression and intolerance and tyranny and rightly so. And so when someone comes along, usually some church minister like me, comes along and says that there is a God and he sees everything you do and he cares about it and he's got something to say about it. Well, is there any wonder that some of us can get a bit defensive, a bit worried, a bit concerned? Who is this God? What business is it of his or yours, preacher guy, how I choose to live my life? Why doesn't God just let us do what we want? And if you're here this evening and and you're not a Christian and you're asking that question, it's probably worth you knowing that we as Christians ask that question too. Why doesn't God just let us do whatever we want? That's a good question. Well, before I start trying to answer that question, let me just say a few things by way of clarification. Uh, First of all, I want to kind of set your expectations at the right level. I'm not going to try and give an exhaustive answer to this question. Okay? As I've been thinking about it these past couple of weeks, there's a lot that I could say at this point. I'm not going to try and say everything, partly because of time, partly because I lack the ability. Uh, but in particular, I need to be clear that what I'm not going to try and do is address specific issues that this question relates to. Okay? Now, there are any number of specific questions that we might have uh, where this kind of might cash out in our lives or lives of people we know. Uh, so, for example, I'm not going to address this evening specifically questions relating to uh, sex and marriage and relationships and divorce. I'm not going to try and address uh, specifically questions related to LGBTQ issues. I'm not going to try and address specifically issues relating to abortion and debates between pro-life and pro-choice movements and all those kinds of things. I'm not going to deal with any of those specifically and I hope you don't feel let down by that. But part of the reason I'm not going to do that is because each of those issues deserves a, a full-length a full treatment in its own right. But also because what I am going to try and do this evening is uh, a, um, a kind of give an answer to this question generally, which gives us a framework for thinking through those specific questions. That's what we're going to do. We're going to address this question generally. Why doesn't God just let us do what we want... And that gives us a framework for further discussion about specific issues in our lives and the lives of those we know and love. So that's, that's the first thing to say. I'm not going to try and deal with everything this evening. You're probably glad of that, aren't you, really? Do you want to go home before midnight. Um, secondly, uh, I'm going to be addressing the question from uh, what you might call, you probably wouldn't, but you might call a phenomenological perspective. Okay, That's a big word, isn't it? It's a scary word. Uh, let me explain what I mean. This question, okay, of uh, why doesn't God just let us do whatever we want, it it touches on some really deep uh, philosophy and theology relating to some really big and profound questions. Questions like um, the interface between divine sovereignty and human responsibility and how those things relate to each other. Uh, Questions to do with free will and determinism, okay? And if you haven't got a clue what any of those words mean well, don't worry, because that's not what we're going to be talking about this evening. Okay, That's not the angle that I'm coming at. The way I'm going to be addressing this question is phenomenologically, as we experience it as human beings. Okay? That's what that's to do with, phenomenology, our experience. Okay? And that, that's how we're going to be addressing uh, that question this evening. Uh, and the last thing to say is... Um, I need to, it's probably worth me outlining my assumptions as I come to trying to answer this question, my presuppositions, the things that I believe that shape the way that I come to answer this question. Okay? Now, you might not necessarily agree with those, but it is important that you know that I have those assumptions as I, as I come to address the question, and that will help you to understand uh, the way that I answer it. And, and so it's worth you knowing, uh, and it probably won't surprise you, that I am a Christian. I believe that there is a God... I believe that he made everything, including us. I believe that he's the God who's revealed himself in creation, in his word, the Bible, and in the person of Jesus Christ. And so the other thing, uh, the other assumption that I have as I come to address this question is that the Bible has some really valuable things to say as we seek to try and answer this question. And so, as I said, even if you're not convinced of those things yet yourself, hopefully knowing that will help you to understand where I'm coming from as I try to answer this question. So uh, because I believe there's a God and he reveals himself I'm going to pray now that he'd help us as we try and address this question. Heavenly Father thank you so much that you didn't just make us but you are interested in every detail of our lives and so Father as we I pray that as we address this question now of why you don't just let us do whatever we want, Lord, please would you be with us, and would you reveal truth to us by the power of your spirit, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, right, well that's all the preamble out of the way, let's get to the question, shall we? Why doesn't God just let us do what we want? Well, I think behind this question there are two assumptions and I'm going to deal with those assumptions one at a time, and that's basically what we're going to spend the rest of our time doing, thinking through these two assumptions. Okay, so here's the first one, the first assumption that lies behind this question. God doesn't let you do what you want. Do you see how that sits behind this question? Why doesn't God just let us do what we want? presupposes that he doesn't let us do what we want. But is that true? Is that really the case? I think from the perspective of our experience, it's pretty hard to argue that that's true, isn't it? Uh, Who of us here sat in this room this evening has something burning inside of us that we so desperately want to do if only God wasn't stopping us? Is he? How? How is he stopping you? I'd suggest that actually if there's some burning desire that you have, the thing stopping you is probably more likely to be some kind of social pressure or maybe the laws of the land that our government has put in place. If you wanted to, if like you really, really wanted to, I suspect it wouldn't be God who was the one who was stopping you, doing what it is that you wanted to do, certainly in terms of our experience. The fact of the matter is, God actually does let us do what we want to do, And he always has let people do what they want to do. Now, does that mean there aren't consequences? No. And we'll be thinking about that more a little bit later. But when we stop to think about it, God actually gives us a quite astonishing degree of liberty and freedom to do what it is that we want to do. It's funny, actually. The Bible is full of people lamenting that fact, crying out to God, saying, God, Why do you just keep letting people do what they want to do? Look at all the problems it's causing in the world. I don't know if you're planning on coming back next week to think about why God allows suffering in the world, but at least part of the answer to that question is this, isn't it? That he lets us do what we want. That causes all kinds of Horrific situations in the world. But, but that is the reality. That is the world we live in. Perhaps sometimes we wish He didn't just let people do whatever they want. And this is an idea that Jesus picks up on in the passage that was read for us a few minutes ago by Sue. Uh, this passage is, is what's called a parable, a story that's illustrative of a, a kind of deeper meaning or message. Um, And this particular parable begins with us being introduced to a man who has two sons. If you've um, got your Bible open, uh, I'd encourage you to open it back up again if if you've closed it, uh, to Luke chapter 15. Uh, Let me just read to you how that parable begins. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. So he, the father, divided his property between them, his two sons. On the face of it, that doesn't seem particularly interesting or exciting to most of us, does it, in our culture and our context. But if we were there when Jesus was, doing, uh, was, was teaching this, we would have been shocked to our core by this message. You see, in the society that Jesus was in, the way things were supposed to work is this father was the head of the household... And he ran the show until he died. And then his estate would be divided into three. And the oldest son would get two thirds of it. And the youngest son would get one third. And the oldest son would continue the estate. And the youngest son would be able to go and do his own thing. So when the younger son comes to his father and he says, Father, divide up your estate and give me my share, what he's essentially saying to him is, I wish you were dead. I'd rather have your money than you around. Please would you sell enough stuff so that I can take my share and go off. That's pretty shocking, isn't it? And yet that is exactly what he does. Look at verse 13. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. This young man doesn't care about his father, does he? He just wants his stuff. And once he's got it, he's gone. And what about the father? How does he feel about this? Well, at this point in the story, we don't know. He doesn't say a thing. He just does what his son asks and lets him go without a word. Now, why is Jesus telling us this story? Well, do you see the parallel between us and the younger son and the father and God? Sometimes in our lives, we want God's blessing, but we want nothing to do with him. We want life and breath and the sun to shine on us and friends and family and health and every good thing that there is to be enjoyed in this world. But we want nothing to do with the Father, the God who gave us those things. And how does he respond? Well, he lets us have it, doesn't he? He says, if that's what you want, you can have it. Maybe that's your story and your experience here this evening. Why doesn't God just let us have what we want? He does. At least at one level, he does. But before we get too excited about that, there's something really crucial that we need to understand. You see, this freedom is not without its problems. It has consequences. It comes at a price. Yes, it gives us dignity and autonomy and liberty and a a, a form of freedom, doesn't it? But, But freedom to do what? Freedom to do what we want. And it's interesting, perhaps you've never thought about this before, but in the Bible, God leaving people to themselves and letting them just get on with whatever it is that they want to do that is never a sign of God's kindness. That is actually always an act of God's judgment on people. To let them get on and walk away from him. Now, why is that? Why is that an act of judgment? Well, that brings us to the second assumption that I think stands behind this question, which is this. The assumption is that what we want for ourselves is better than what he wants for us. Do you see that? Do you see that assumption behind the question? Why doesn't God just let us do what we want? Implication, what I want for myself is better than what he wants, so why doesn't he let me do it? Question is, is that true? Is that assumption correct? Well, not according to Jesus. Look at how the story continues. We'll go from verse 13 again. gave him anything. How does it turn out for the younger son in this story? Well, to start with, it goes pretty well, doesn't it? <laughs> Seems pretty good. He can do whatever his heart desires, and he does. But it is only a matter of time before the money runs out and the debts are called in. and Doing whatever he wanted turns out not to have been such a good idea after all. Do you see Jesus' point here? We are not always the best judges of what is best for us, are we? We may not have uh, been through a radical rebellion experience like this younger son has, but you don't have to have lived long in this world to do something you regret, do you? Which of us hasn't experienced that situation where we felt in our hearts so certain that that course of action was going to be the best thing. So certain that that was the right thing for us. That that was what was going to make us happy. That that was what was going to make us fulfilled. And in the fullness of time, actually, it didn't work out that way at all. Have you had that experience? If you haven't, it's only a matter of time. And our culture encourages this, right? Our culture tells us that we've got to be our authentic selves. You've got to do you. Have no regrets. Which is a lovely idea, isn't it? But it's not one that withstands contact with real life. Doing whatever we want might seem to yield positive results for a season, but in reality it is only a matter of time before it all comes crashing down. The fact of the matter is we aren't always the best judges of what is best for us. That's why we need friends, right? And by friends, I don't mean those people who just kind of nod and smile at us and approve of everything that we say and do. They're not friends. No, we need friends, those people who are willing to say to us, don't do that. That's a really bad idea. Why on earth are you thinking of doing that? That's what a true friend is like, someone who loves us enough to tell us when we've got it wrong. But just say hypothetically for a moment, say we were able to know exactly what it was that was going to be best for us in every situation. Well, that is absolutely no guarantee of the fact that the course of action we would choose would be best for the people around us, is it? Who actually wants to live in a world where every individual can literally do whatever they want without restriction? That's not heaven. That's hell. That would be horrendous, wouldn't it? The political word for that is anarchy. And if you want to know what it looks like, you could go to Haiti right now, where there is essentially no effective government, no restrictions, no laws, not in any kind of functional way, And when everyone's free to do whatever they want, it does not end in a peaceful utopia. It ends with armed gangs running the show. That's real tyranny. That's what tyranny really looks like when the gloves are off and human beings get to do whatever their heart desires. Is what we want for ourselves really better than what God wants for us? I guess that raises the question, doesn't it? What does God want for us? What is it he wants? Well, Jesus shows us as this story continues. Look down at verse 17. When he came to his senses, the youngest son said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went to his father. At this point in the story, the son comes to his senses, doesn't he? Do you see that? He realises that doing whatever his heart desired actually didn't pan out the way he'd hoped it would. He realises that he would, in fact, be in a much better situation as a servant of his father than he would independent of his father. It doesn't turn out how he thought. And so he decides to go back. And, and what happens when he goes back to his father? Well, look at how verse 20 continues. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with what? Rage? The urge to run up to him and say, see, I told you, I told you. No. He was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father, pretty much ignoring him, says to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. What does God want for us? He wants us back. he wants us back like a father who longs for the return of his estranged son he wants us back and not so he can rub it in what horrendously bad decisions we made no he wants us back so we can put the gold ring on our finger and the best robe on us and feast and celebrate with us because our relationship to him has been restored that's what God wants for us And it is far better than anything else that we might want for ourselves. Why doesn't God just let us do what we want? Well, he does. But he wants something so much better for us than that. He really does. And so, as we close, let me challenge you to consider some words of the Apostle Paul who had the opportunity to speak to a bunch of philosophers in Greece, in Athens, at a place called the Areopagus. And when he had that opportunity, this is what he said to them. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Why? God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far away from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of their own poets had said, we are his offspring. Why are you here in the time and the place that God has put you in? Well, according to the Bible, it is so that you might seek after him. Look at how Paul continues. Therefore, Since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now, he commands all people everywhere to repent. That's what God wants for you. He commands all people everywhere to repent to turn back to him, to have their relationship with him restored. That's what he wants for us. He won't compel you, won't force you against your will, but he longs for you to be restored to him as a son or a daughter. And there will be terrible eternal consequences if we don't. Paul goes on to say, He has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, Jesus Christ. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. And when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And so as we close this evening, I want to ask you, how are you going to respond to this message? That God has been allowing you to do whatever you want, but that he wants so much more for you than that. He wants you to come back to him and have a restored relationship with him. Will you be like those who sneered? Or will you be one of those who said, we want to hear you again on this subject? I hope you'll be the latter. Let's pray, shall we? (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us the dignity, the liberty to do what we want. And yet we recognise that, in a sense, that is actually not so much an act of your kindness, but an act of your judgement upon us for turning away from you. Lord, please, would you help us to see that what you want for us is so much better than anything that we may want for ourselves. And Lord, if we have particular specific questions about particular issues, where we're not sure whether we agree with what your word says about how people should live. Lord, please help us to come to that question mindful of the fact that what you want for us is always better than what we want for ourselves. Please, Lord, would you teach us that truth, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to sing of the amazing grace of that God who wants a relationship with those who have rebelled against him. Let's stand and sing.